Stage Time is the professional hub for the performing arts and is a growing community of 4,000 plus opera singers and classical musicians, arts administrators, agents, production staff, and beyond. Set up a launch-ready portfolio in under 10 minutes. A growing list of over 100 arts organizations accepts a Stage Time profile in lieu of a website URL. Unlike a static website, StageTime allows you to connect with collaborators, showcase your skills, source or be sourced as the right talent, and center your creative practice. StageTime is available on any web browser or on the App Store and on Google Play. Search StageTime to stay connected to colleagues, mentors, students, and friends from anywhere in the world. The arts industry is waiting for you on StageTime. Sometimes we get stuck in our ideas and creations, not knowing the next step. We all have so much creativity to offer, but can get tied in knots with decisions and the need for approval. EM2 Connects Business is to help you get untangled and discover your creative identity and vision. Emily Martin and Elizabeth McDonald are the creators behind EM2. As ideators and performers, they have sung and taught worldwide. In the past few years, too many artists have asked them, what do I do next? What was their answer? Their answer was EM2 Connect. They are raising the collaboration to the power of two and on a mission to support, connect, educate, and inspire the arts community. From one-on-one -on -one coachings to creative collectives, they have the tools to help you make sense of your creativity. Head to their website at www.em2connect.com. That's www.em2connect.com to learn more about how you can build the creative world you want to live in. Welcome to season four of My So-Called Opera Life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers. After three seasons of incredible conversations, the podcast has grown and changed much like ourselves. We're still on a mission to connect, inform, inspire, and empower musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Because as we continue to hear from you and watch the opera industry struggle to change and grow, community, connection, and transparency are as important as ever. We're here to spill the tea on the inner workings of the opera life, to celebrate the artists who unapologetically create amazing, non-traditional paths for themselves, and to inspire each other to sing freely, make art truthfully, and to work fearlessly for a more equitable industry. I'm Elise. And I'm Marcel. And we're two sopranos currently living our best so-called so opera lives. Oh, so. Hello. Hello. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. It's been an interesting start to the new year. Yes. I've been sick for most of it, but oh I'm recovered gosh. now. So Yeah. How are you feeling? Good. Good. Like, finally, like, normal. The head cold is gone. The stomach bug is gone. I'm well rested. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's how it was for me last semester, so I get it. Yeah. But you did a great job at you. your shows this week. And Thank how you. So you had two shows in one one day. Two shows in one day. So we, <clears throat> um, I just did a show with a group in Philadelphia called Enna Ensemble, and they... Um, workshop and premiere new pieces of opera. So we did a premiere of a new opera called Nothing is Created Nor Destroyed, which is based off of 
new stars being born in outer space. It's the coolest story for an opera, I think, ever. Um, it was really cool. It's really cool. And so you, and you did, and, and then you did another piece too. Yes. Yeah, so they um, had so many composers actually respond to their call for like compositions mm -hmm. before this, this cycle started that they, and they were all really good. So mm -hmm. they decided to not just do an opera every two months, but also to do a, a new art song so they could give more work to more composers, which I think is awesome. Like, uh, And so, yeah, it was great. Both, I saw them, I saw it and it was great. Everything. And so the opera was you and Chelsea, or the the, the opera, opera was, was the one with with the star nurseries. Okay. And then the piece that I the art song was um, still kind of an opera in and of itself, yeah. in, in a way, because it was a, a complete narrative. But it was just myself and a flute. So it was a monodrama about essentially like this um, celestial caretaker of universes who owns like a pet shop, basically, and has. But the pets in the pet shop are are galaxies and universes. Yeah. So this was like a, a, a yeah. So like this was like a celestial being, um, and so she's talking to this one little universe that I guess is unruly and gets returned. Okay, so the art song was with you. I actually had that mixed up. That yeah. doesn't not that it even really matters, but yeah. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. So so the theme was celestial, and something that I was thinking about when I was watching it was like, just like how cool opera is like so dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> like, like we, it's so just in there's So it's like sensory overload. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're like listening to the story, but honestly to keep track of the story is hard when you're also listening to all these beautiful sounds and all these noises and like what you see on the stage, like, which was, you guys just did it like concert style. But even then like Chelsea, um, who plays the flute, Chelsea Maynig, um, she took her flute apart. Yeah, she had to take played, her flute apart. <laughs> yeah, played half of it. And I was like, um, excuse me? <laughs> it was just, like, so cool. <laughs> it's very cool. And so, like, in that piece, she was embodying the voice of this universe in the box. Okay. That had gotten returned. Yeah. So, but she makes, like, these incredibly interesting sounds with her flute that, you know, are not normally and, how you hear a flute yeah. being played and at that point if you think i'm following the story i mean You're like why is the I'm, flute I'm just, coming apart yeah, like, i'm just like looking at her doing this really cool thing and 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 that's why i love i love like those experiences and i love i love classical music i guess because i can't wait to hear it again i can't wait to like read the libretto like i couldn't really tell you what any of the stories were about like in their full, except for maybe the first one, because there was more speaking, which right. helped me right. understand it right away. Right. And it was much more of a conversation, I think. Yeah. So it's really cool to just like listen to it and enjoy it and then know that the next time you listen to it, it's going to be different again because you're right. going to get more stuff. Right. Right. And that's so cool. Well, and I think, you know, it's one of the things about classical music that for me, it makes it so interesting is that even a piece that you know and love, like I have listened to that, like you know, pinnacle recording of La Boheme with Pavarotti and Mir right. Mirada Freni like 5,000 times. And every time I listen to that recording, I hear something different. Yeah. Because there's just so many layers between what's happening in the orchestra, what's happening in, with the singers, what's happening between the singers and the orchestra. And, you know, and just that there's so much texture. You know, I feel like every time I listen to a piece of classical music, I hear something new. Totally. 
it's 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 like it's like a puzzle I know I know it's something (laughs) that like I want to share with audience it's something that I've hit on like as something to like let audience know like it's okay if you don't get everything like right away you're not you're not like stupid if you don't understand it right it's more information than you can take in in one sitting yeah and I think even even when I used to listen to music when I was younger like I was listening to a lot more like standard rap too so it was there wasn't always like a I didn't feel comfortable like if I didn't like get it or I didn't like it I didn't really feel very comfortable saying that Mm -hmm. I was just like oh yes it was very good yes Mm -hmm. I loved it Mm -hmm. like you know and and to be able to now have the confidence and the recognition like that I do listen to this all the time and even when I was listening to it I couldn't follow or understand everything and that's normal and fine right and so it was it was really cool. So and and I just want to also ask you what the last what the last piece was about. So the last opera, the story. So the story of the last opera was that I was a group of molecules essentially in space that was like beginning to dissipate and the other soprano's character was also a cloud of molecules, but she was overseeing um, the star nursery. So this this opera is based off of an image that came from the new NASA telescope about the star nursery in space, like where stars are born, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I come to this nursery. She's It's like, basically the idea was, can outer sp- the star nursery and meet the midwives, that BBC show, like, could they could they meet each other? Okay. Or call the midwife is the name of the show. Oh, okay. and so okay. and so like the one Ayana's character was like the midwife in the nursery helping these stars become born. Yeah, and I came because I knew I was dissipating and I wanted to lend my energy to these newly forming stars, um, so that you know because like energy all goes somewhere. Yeah. So, um, which hence the t- the title, nothing is created, nothing is destroyed. Like it's just this constant, continuous recycling of energy. Yeah. Um, which I think is really beautiful. It was really beautiful. Um, I yeah. so I ended up becoming part of a wishing star. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, just I don't know. The message is just like so hopeful, and also spiritual in a way. Yeah. And I enjoyed so much that it wasn't like trauma porn opera, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a sad, there's a sadness in it. Like, you know, my, my character's life was ending, but then just that, you know, kind of reality that, you know, no one ever actually dies. Yeah. You know, as long as there's a memory of them or, right. you know, and even then like you become part of the earth and then you feed a tree and yeah, like, we're all still here. Yeah. Okay. I, I got that. I got that. I was like, well, it's so funny because like my own personal journey, I feel like I'm like learning about energy, like, you know, trying to like find my, my grounding energy and just like, just spiritual, spirituality has become more important to me to focus on this year. So I was like listening to this opera and I'm like, is this really what this is about? Like, Yes, it is. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing, but like, am I, is this like everything? Like, am I getting everything? And, um, that's what I got. I got like that. It was just like this, like almost like a journey for you. And like on another level, like a journey of like acceptance of moving forward and stuff. And mm-hmm. so it was, um, it was really good. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. I'm so glad you were able to come see it. It's a, it's a really cool piece. I am excited to see like how the composer takes it forward into the next stage. Yeah. Because, um, like, really this process was, like, a workshop for them, too, to, like, be in the room with the instrumentalists as we're 
and the singers as we're working through this score and finding out what works and what doesn't work. And, oh, like, there's not enough time to breathe here. Like, we might have to cut some phrases short or this this yeah. works vocally, that doesn't. Or the guitar, that chord you wrote, actually, I can't, that those notes are not all playable at the yeah. same time. You know, like, things like that. So it's, it's so cool. It's going to be really yeah, interesting. There's um, electric guitar. There was moments of, like, total jam session. And I was like, that was another thing. Like, it was cool to see it in that place because it was in a library but then I was like I want this to be blasting my ears off like I want this to be like yeah Yeah. loud as shit yeah 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 Yeah. um so our pit was a flute a cello and an electric guitar yeah and then two sopranos so it was it was definitely an unconventional soundscape but I loved it yeah I loved it and that talking about that and talking about how cool (laughs) opera and classical music is a great segue into something that we wanted to talk about today we are i stumbled and i think both of us stumbled on this article um that came from the bbc yes um it's from january 13th so it like literally just got posted on the last week two weeks ago and it's the title of the article is gen z and young millennials surprising obsession and we'll give you the spoiler alert. It's classical music. Yeah, it was so <laughs> cool to read this. And I actually, it came on my feed from an opera singer named Babatund, who's also like the hip hopper guy. Mm-hmm. And I follow him. Um, I think that's how I saw it too. Yeah. And it was, it also kind of was cool to me because there was another article in September. I remember because I wrote about it in like my first newsletter that I ever like wrote. Mm-hmm. And it was more like negative on on opera and just like how like it's hard to be creative in this art form and it's hard to break out of the mold and and then to read this article which he's a part of and to hear how basically the article is about like how people under the age of 25 or 35 are more likely to listen to opera and, and classical music and it's become more popular um because of the way it's being used in like pop culture <clears throat> in shows on Netflix um, and then also TikTok. Yeah. And social media. Yep. Yep. And I've, I've, every time I see somebody that's doing any kind of classical, but it's different, I like immediately follow them because I think it's so cool. And I, I mean, we obviously just love amplifying yeah, yeah. all of that too. Yeah, so same. I'm like, how can we amplify this? And when I just read this article, it was so, it was so many things. It was like inspiring and uplifting and like, Yeah. Yeah. Go people. (laughs) Yes. 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 I mean, and I think, you know, the, um, you know, they talk about, you know, a radical new wave of artists. (laughs) And I feel like we, we are being radical. I just don't think like I often like fashion myself with that word in mind of like, you know, yeah, like, yes, we're trying to deconstruct the elitism that has been inherent in opera for centuries and generations. And I do think that TikTok has been a huge part of that narrative. I mean, I know um, Mary Rice, um, her handle is coloratura underscore runs on TikTok. Like she has gone viral multiple times. Oh. Um, so has um, Rocky Duvall mm-hmm. is another another singer who's had like a lot of success on social media. There's a soprano also who I follow, but I cannot think of her, of her handle right now who's on TikTok. And she does opera covers of like... WAP and like really like these raunchy hip hop start like songs and I have to and she's great wow she's great but then like she also is on her feed talking about like yeah like here's what auditioning is like and yeah, here's yeah. how I steam before an audition and you're like kind of like showing the nitty gritty and mm-hmm. I love that content 
you know, and not just because I'm a classical singer. I mean, you and I, we've talked about many times on this podcast how we're so fascinated to know how other artists, like, mm-hmm. do their thing. But it's been really interesting to watch how, um, especially for, in Mary's case, uh, Color Tour Runs TikTok, lots of her audience are folks who, like, have never been to the opera before and f- have, like, gone to the opera now because they love her content and the way that she does her content makes it really accessible. Yeah, totally. And and it it actually reminds me of the conversation we had with Daniel Welch. Right. How he talked about, like, he's a um, media specialist and content brander for especially classical musicians. And he was talking about, like, you got to share your story. Like, you can't just share the ticket link. Like, no one cares. Like, why would someone come, you know? And right. I think more artists are doing it and not because they're... Not because they're trying to do a ticket thing. It's like now we're able to share who we are on these platforms. Right. And just the ticket link is a, is is like just another content, really. Right. You know? And right. In some ways, even less, especially if you're not really the one that is responsible for ticket sales, but like... It's just giving our energy in that in that space. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's like we're not just using the social media to be like, look at this gig we've got coming up. And now it's like the gigs are like secondary to what we're doing on the platform which Mm -hmm. I really enjoy because that feels more honest to me and then it's like oh well if you enjoy my content and you want to come hear me sing live here's where I'm going to be singing live if that's the thing you're interested in but I'm also totally cool with the way you want to engage with me is to just watch my videos on YouTube because you don't live near me and so I know you know like it was also really interesting to read this article because it's on the back of a lot of other articles I've been reading recently, which are which were not very positive, and we're talking about how the theaters are feeling like they're empty. All these theaters are empty. All these classical music spaces are not doing well, and they're empty. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I just been reading about that and and considering what what that means and why and the ramifications and stuff. And and then, but then seeing this kind of article and it's kind of like shifting and. And well, it's interesting, yeah. It's interesting, too, because I think, for for a large part, the organizations, the the institutions of classical music, they are being slow to get on board with the trend that we as individual artists are seeing and taking advantage of, mm-hmm. you know? And so I literally, kind of like my next project for myself is, like, I've been learning more about monetization of YouTube channels Mm. and, like, how to get enough followers that you can start to monetize. Because I think as artists, a real key to having more stable um, finances Mm -hmm. is, like, being able to create passive income makers for ourselves. And we are content creators. We need to figure out how to monetize the content that we put out. Um, And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think... For a long time, that's felt like, or at least to me, I'll speak for myself. Yeah. To me, that's felt like it's like cheapened what I'm doing. And I'm like, wait a second. I have been working as a professional singer for over 10 years now, like, and busting my ass to get really, really good at what I do and sharing my story, not just, you know, like, because I'm, again, like trying to drive ticket sales, but also from this altruistic love of my art form. Yeah. And like, and a gut feeling like I have something important to say with my voice and I want to share it. So Mm -hmm. it gets to as many people as possible. And to find a way to sustain doing that is being a smart business person, not selling out. Yeah. And I mean, there's this whole conversation now about technology and opera and 
all these grants about like incorporating technology and and it's interesting like and kind of a little bit scary sometimes I think like and sometimes I think about like oh how does opera get like in technology but then if you just think about it simply it's like TikTok I mean just like just starting to be on like creating things that make sense to people like in the way that they consume them and I know Babatun he writes like he gets messages all the time like that of people being like I just went to my first opera ever it really does make people want to go to see the opera right and whether the opera has incorporates technology or not like coming up with new ways to do that I think is cool and it's not just about like putting an opera on on the screen yeah I mean mean, it's not just that easy right well and I think like incorporating technology I mean we just had an electric guitar right that also used distortion and a loop pedal and like Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. incorporating technology into opera like there's no loop pedal in a Mozart score right right (laughs) (laughs) that didn't exist um you know, but I, I, I think to me what's really exciting about the social social media conversation, which I think is also something that came up with Daniel Welch, is, um, you know, the fact that what it's starting to do is put the artist back front mm-hmm. and center. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if we're, if opera is truly going to be relevant and classical music is truly going to remain relevant and not just become a museum piece, but remain a living, breathing thing, like the people who make the music need to be at the forefront. Mm-hmm. You know, and the institutions need to be behind us, supporting us doing that work because it shouldn't be our responsibility to like resurrect this art form in a way. Yeah. I think that's people with the power need to be using that power wisely, and they're just not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be real. <laughs> you know, but I think being a radical new wave of artists, we're like we're taking ownership yeah, of our voices, totally. and we're like, you know what? We have something to say. There's a reason why we love this art form. There's a reason why we think everyone should hear it and decide if they actually enjoy it or not, um, and have access to it, you know, and I think people are driven by, I mean, it's why, why else do people still buy the tabloids Mm -hmm. and watch, you know, um, Hollywood access, you know, because they not only want to watch the movies that the movie stars are in, but they want to know what's going on in the movie stars life. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. And, and I, um, started working with a brand coach and just like, 10 days ago or less now, um, I started this like garbage post challenge. So like for me, social media has been not the most, I've not been the most consistent on it. I've not been the most excited about it. And I feel I sort of maintain it to maintain like a presence. And it's sort of been like a little bit of like a portfolio kind of like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is something I've done. Okay. I'm here. And this is what I did. And I did this, you know, Almost like not inviting people to come in. I mean, I think younger generations, because they grew up with it more, they are more like easily to sh- show like sort of a journey, whereas I was sort of showing the past almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But since I started working with the brand coach, I was able to think about like what my... And it's so funny because how many times have we spoke about this on the podcast? How many times have I heard this in my life? But until I started working with the brand coach, thanks, Cindy, um, she really helped me sort of like take all the things that I'm doing and all the things that I want to do and love and and help me see it as an umbrella of who I am as an artist. And mm-hmm. so now like I was actually like wanting I, I'm trying to grow a community. So like I need to I need to 
I, I started out in the way that was comfortable for me, which I will continue to always do and remember. And I think it's helped me grow because before I wasn't talking to anybody. I was just like posting these random things that like, you know, whatever. And, um, then now I was, then I started talking to people, you know, individually, like, hello, would you like to come to the, to this event, Marcel? Like to my friends, to people I know. And that was more personal, but now I'm trying to expand beyond that. And I'm like, and I told her, like, I just like feel like the posts are just like stupid. Like, no, like it's not going to help me grow this brand. And she's like, yeah, okay, we're going to do the garbage post challenge. (laughs) Like, yeah. And she had me just think about what, what do you want people to think of when they, when they think of you? And it was easy for me to think of that because we've done a lot of work on that. I was like, I want them to know that I can collaborate. I want them to think about me as fun. I, that I can learn music fast, that I can like, that I love teaching, that, you know, I love new music. I love different, um, exciting, engaging things. So that's really helped me with the garbage post challenge of just like not having to really think too much about what is posting, just post something that tells that about me. Right, right. Anything, even if it's just a picture of myself and then I'm like, yeah, this is what I love doing. La la la. Like, yeah, easy. yeah, yeah. You have to be visible <laughs> to be seen, right? And I've only got, done it for however many days. I like, I'm not even halfway through and I've seen so many people who are signing up for my things. People are reaching out. Like right. it's really, it's really, I'm surprised. Like right. I thought that social media was not like going to help me. Right. You know? Right. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that. Cause when I actually, when I coached with Daniel Welch for on social media content, like he does a similar thing and, um, where he has you like figure out what your pillars are is how is his term. It's like, you know, where your where are the silos of your interests? And then like, you can then create a post every week about each of your pillars essentially, so that you always have a, a place to draw from for content. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll feel, I, I, as a consequence, I feel way less stuck mm-hmm. in terms of like, what do I post about today? Oh, you know? I had a shit day. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. And I mean, I'm definitely, Tara um, Preolo, who's been on the podcast before, she's the sweetest and she's yes. she tells me that I am the most transparent person <laughs> on the internet <laughs> because like I'll post about the fact that I'm having a shitty day, you know, and yeah. I'll show up in my stories and be like, yeah, like today sucks. And like, if you're also having a shitty day, like I see you, I'm here in solidarity with you. Like hopefully yeah. tomorrow will be better. And like people just respond to that. It has nothing to do with my singing or being classical music. Right. Um, but like if people feel connected by that. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and I think to, to just reflect something to you that when you share that to me, you share that as an artist, you're compassionate and you're like, I'm going to cry just even thinking about it. But like, you've really shown me like how, when you show up for yourself and you give people grace, like you were just a good friend. <laughs> so are you. Um, I cry really easily. So <laughs> that's nothing to apologize for. <laughs> but yeah, I think when you show up like that, you show people that you, you do show up every day for yourself and just like your music and your collaborators and people you work with. And that's, yeah, that's like invaluable and, and so true of you. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think like it, it speaks to, um, I think, a thing that's like very foundational about the way that I look at the world um, that's really started to underpin just like all of my work, which is that like my my instinct any time in my life that something has gone 
like gone in, in a way that was harmful for me or difficult for me. Like my immediate impulse is always like, one, how do I figure out how to make this better? But also like, how do I share what's going on with me so it doesn't happen to somebody else? Mm, I was just listening to a post by a, um, I can't remember his name, um, but he is a Broadway um, actor and he does, he was doing headshots. Okay. I know I've shown them to you because I was like obsessed with his headshots. His shots are beautiful. I know exactly who you're talking about. It's like J Photography. I will link his information. He's um, started working on building some helping artists post on social media, I think, because he knows like some people really struggle and it's not just artists, but he musicians. When I say artists, I'm talking about musicians, I think. I don't. I'm sure he works with. I think. Tons I think as musicians in particular, we're we're <clears throat> particularly primed to get caught in the perfectionism mm-hmm. trap. Yeah, like it feel it's like the, because like you know the most content I produce is about like being in the practice room, and that is that is a vulnerable space. Yes, yes, and you know, and so like, how do I? How do I use that as a place for content, but still also feel safe right. in this space? Like, I don't want to show something to the world that's not perfect yet. I know. <laughs> oh, but like, I, I also start- people love seeing it not be perfect. Well, I started the challenge and I didn't really post that much music. And I just did it yesterday. I think the other day I was like, I need, I want to, I want to post my music because I want people to, I want people to recognize me as a singer, as well as the other things I do. Right. That's, like, important to me. And so I was like, just post your singing. And I didn't know what to... It was like... That was the one one of the posts where I was, like, felt the most, like, vulnerable or, I don't know, uncomfortable to share it. And I just... I just wrote some stuff about it, and I just, just I and I saw it. that post. And I loved it. I loved it. Also, I didn't know that Aria, so I was like, "This was a really cool piece. I need to find this piece." Um, so, well, like one you. of the one of my new, at least for myself, like I don't know if this information will help anyone else out here um, listening to this. You know, it's like I have definitely found that um, creating like a weekly a weekly series for myself has mm-hmm. helped me be accountable. So, like the first one I did you know, was the fact like I go for a mental health run every week. Mm -hmm. And so like I do a check-in on my TikTok when I'm done with my run. And then I was like, well, how can I, how, how can I do that for my singing in a way that's also going to create accountability for me? And I was like, aha, I am really bad about when a phrase in music scares me of not practicing it. Mm. I'm just like, you know, crossing my fingers and hoping for the best, which is dumb. (laughs) Because... It doesn't work that way. And I know it doesn't work that way. But like when I feel scared by repertoire, like I will procrastinate about practicing it. Um, So I'm actually about to like this week, I'm going to release like the first part of a new series for myself, which is like, okay, new TikTok series is, you know, working on music (laughs) that that, that terrifies me. Yeah, that's great. And just like doing it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how I need to how I work through this phrase. I love when you post stuff like about how you how you learn your music and, and the, and how you practice and stuff. I, I love all those posts you do. <laughs> um, and the thing that I was going to say about Justin, I believe his name is, I just remembered. Right. Is that he was saying like, you I think can it's look Jay Shoots. Jay Shoots. Yeah. You can think about your posts, like just like what you were saying before about that you've experienced or learned something and that you're sharing it so that that person doesn't have to live that experience. Right. To oh doorbell rings, um, dog barks. <laughs> Welcome to our life, and here is what it's like. There's no filter here. 
um, that you're giving. Like that's a that's not a just. I think when you're in the negative mindset of, of posting and feeling too and by your ego, it's like, oh, this is all about me, 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 me. But you're helping people if you're able to share an experience that maybe they don't have to live through the pain you live through to, right, to right, learn from right. That. And I just feel like I'm for myself, like with those posts, like there are things about you know when I share my practice routines and things. It's like for me, it's like there are things that you know I've been in this business a quite a long time at this point, and there's techniques that I wish someone had taught me from day one because it would have made my my process and my growth like growing so much easier and faster and like I'm like why I want to share this with other people if it's going to help them move faster and you know more efficiently through a process that's already difficult why wouldn't I share that exactly (laughs) exactly you know and if it's a tool that doesn't work for your toolbox that's okay too like right right just to know it is great so the dogs have lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's any, so are there any other like hacks or anything that we want to share about, about posting or, I mean, I think it would be, sorry to no, go cut ahead. you off. I, I do think it'd be interesting to share what platforms we use because we don't use the same, some of them overlap, like, so the platforms I use, I primarily use Instagram and then I use, um, Facebook, second most, the ones, and I, and I use like YouTube, but I don't really use YouTube, I would say. I'm on, I post only like recordings so that I can post the recordings other places, really. Right, right. Those are the, pla- I haven't gotten on, I, I went on TikTok like two times and I was on there for like three hours and I was like, whoa, I cannot be on here. Whoa. Yeah. I yeah. just had, I, I was yeah. like, literally. Yeah. Just, whoa, and I was just laughing. I mean, it was a good time, but I was on there. It was a time, like, mm-hmm. it was, I went to another planet, and I came back three hours later, and yep. I was like, I, whoa, I got to get off of right. here. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I feel like when people first get on TikTok, that is exactly the experience they have. In the pandemic, I got started just, like, being on TikTok because, um, you know, like, I needed, I needed happiness. I needed mm-hmm. You know, like it was so, and especially like I need dopamine. I need dopamine, and especially when I was like in in like my like pre op and post op stretch where like I couldn't sing and I was very depressed. And you know, I I I have the way I limited myself so that I wasn't just on TikTok all the time was that I was I would my rule for myself was that I would scroll TikTok until I la- something made me laugh out loud. Mm. And then as soon as something laughed That's made me good- laugh out loud. Then I would put it away. Yeah. Um, That's and, a good idea. Uh, and, and I would do it like, so I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely a person, my alarm goes off and I hit snooze a couple of times. And then like, I have built this time into my schedule at this point. Cause I know that this is a routine that works for me. Yeah. No judgment. Um, but then I will like scroll on social media for a little while as I'm like, my brain is fully waking up and then I start my day. Um, so like, that was my thing. I would like scroll on TikTok. Until something made me laugh out loud. And then I was starting my day from this place of laughter. Yeah. And then I would get out of bed and start my day. I love that. Um, So, yeah, I do. I love TikTok. I feel like it's a a social media platform that works for the way that I like to create content. Because, like, I feel like I'm also a very visual storyteller. So... Mm -hmm. And I've also been fascinated by films my entire life. So to get to like edit film is yeah. very fun for me. So I, I, I enjoy the process, even though content creation is exhausting. Like I enjoy making TikToks. Yeah, yeah. When I make Instagram posts, like that's 
always a little harder for me because mm-hmm. I feel like I have to like no one reads the captions, but I feel like this pressure to like make this write a well crafted yeah, caption. Yeah. Just like no, have a well crafted picture. No one's gonna read it. Right. <laughs> um. So and then, like I mentioned earlier, I'm gonna start trying to build out my my YouTube. Mostly, also again, like I'm trying to learn how to use my content content creation to just also help me. Yeah. So it's not just about like, oh, I'm throwing things out into the universe for people to consume, but like, okay, how does this help my own practice as an artist? Mm -hmm. And I really struggle with recording. Mm. Like it's really hard for me to, to not get caught in a, in a perfectionist mindset when I do recordings. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like my goal for myself with my YouTube channel is just to get into the habit of like recording twice a month and putting it on my YouTube to just like, you know, exposure therapy, basically. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next season we'll have a YouTube expert on this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but honestly, I was going to say a resource that's helped me so, so much, Tara Priolo, who I, we said has been on the podcast, she has this group called Con- Content Cohort. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially she set up a Google Classroom and she has weekly prompts and things. And it's a pay what you can so, like, if you have $0, you can get in. If you want to pay her $50 for the month to get in, you can. Um, and essentially, like, it's just an accountability group. Mm-hmm. Like, we hype each other up. We, um, you know, if someone's looking for feedback on a post before they post it, like, you know, do you like these colors, this font, like, whatever, or is my message clear? You can get feedback from each other. And the only requirement is that you press the damn button mm-hmm. at least once a week. There you go. So that, like, everyone is, like, yeah. we're helping each other to just, like cheerlead each other through this process that feels really difficult yeah. um, until it becomes a habit and it's more comfortable and yeah it's been it's been great because Tara has the most beautiful energy and um, she does I know she's 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 such a nurturer um and like really helps you to feel empowered to just like own own your story yeah so yeah. check that out yes and you're on so your TikTok Instagram, Instagram Facebook my Instagram posts push to Facebook automatically um I've really stepped back from Facebook. I feel like in the aftermath of 2020 and yeah. like the Trump era, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, the Cheeto the in chief, like yeah. I have a lot of toxic family members on there. And so like, I don't know, I just feel like I've taken a step back from Facebook. Like it is not, yeah, it, it, that space creates more anxiety than anything else. But yeah, um, I stay, I get totally get that. I stay on it because I, I actually get the most, I feel like. Not really engagement, but people learn about events on there. I think people people go, especially like students, parents and stuff are really right. like, they see There's definitely an older crowd on Facebook. And they see those events too. Like I think on Instagram and even Instagram, like it's easy to you like, engage, like, you connect with people so that you can create relationships. Right. Well, and I think on Instagram too, it's really easy to be like, oh, I saw that thing. And then you just scroll past it. Yeah. And then it's out of sight, out of mind. Or at least Facebook will be like, oh, you like this event. It's coming up. Did you still want to go see it? Exactly. Exactly. So, well, you too. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I got to get to other it. platforms. Actually, on the um, coffee chat this past week, um, Nadia was talking about how she was... Um, using LinkedIn, especially for a lot of voiceover stuff. Right, right. Well, and then there's stage time, too. Stage time, we talked about that. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. Well, we I feel like we have a lot of information. In we have a lot episode. of information. The only the thing I would close with is just like, yes, there are all these social media platforms out there. There are smaller social media platforms that are also coming up in the ranks, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get in early on one of those. But I think the best piece of advice I got from Daniel was like, pick 
your one or two platforms where you want to focus your energy to start. Mm-hmm. Like find the place where it feels good to create content for and be consistent about creating content there first and then build your audience, yes. you know, build, build out from, to other platforms from there once you're like in a routine and things feel comfortable. So you're not like overwhelming yourself with, well, I need to do YouTube and TikTok and da 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 da. And like sometimes you can cross purpose your <clears throat> your content from one platform to the next, but like the advice to focus in one spot really helped me to not feel overwhelmed. Yeah, that's great advice. I would say for me, my best advice is to just remember that. Well, first of all, you never have to post on Facebook or in any social media ever if you never want to. There's no one that should ever tell you you have to do that and you should don't have to do it to have any kind of success in any means. I know many successful singers who have no social media you presence. You do not have to do it. And, <laughs> and I honestly, like, I wasn't doing it and finding a lot more success for, for like a year and then now I'm in this place where I want to connect with new people and so that's brought me back. And, and what's been helpful for me is to just have fun and not have like a pressure of it and just like share something about my brand and like myself on the platform and like just have fun and before I was only just posting basically to like keep up a presence right and I think we also all felt for a really long time that like and I think TikTok is really what has changed this is that like oh our, our our presence on social media needs to be very professional right because we've also had like generations of folks and Mm -hmm. generations but like years and years of folks saying to us in the industry as social media has become more popular not to post anything on social media that you know isn't polished that isn't in your brand that isn't you know like perfect yeah because you don't want to delete it if it's right if it's not old to delete it delete it delete it if it's old don't have it da 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 and it's like no i think people are way more interested in seeing how you've grown and seeing your process and TikTok, I think in particular, like, cause the TikTok algorithm like really rewards people who just post frequently. And so like, you can't post polished content frequently. Yeah, like right. it, it, you're not, it would be a full-time job and that's not <laughs> what our job is. Right. You know? And so, you know, even like corporations are doing things of just like, oh, we're going to do an office fit check. Mm-hmm. And like, that's our, inter- <laughs> that's our post for the day. And like, People really engage with that and it has nothing to do with what they do as a business, but it lets them see the people behind the business. Yeah. So just be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier, easier said, said than done. done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and lastly, we want to give a shout out. Shout out to our new Patreon member, Tara Priolo, who already got mentioned a bunch on this I know. episode. Thank um, you, Tara. She has been one of our biggest fans and biggest supporters since day one. Um, so we're so happy to welcome her to our Patreon community. Um, if you are interested in getting our episodes early release with no ads, um, please consider joining our Patreon community. It will also help us to keep this podcast going. Yes. Um, you can join for as little as $3 a month. Help us make season five. Yes. We have ideas. <laughs> we have ideas, but we need uh, help. Some support. We yes. need some support. So um, thanks for listening. I know there's lots of new people out there. And if you feel so inclined to give us a shout out wherever you're engaged and also um, by leaving us a review. Oh my gosh. If you could leave us a review, it would be so helpful. Um, we Or share your or share the podcast with a friend. Yes. Anything. Thank you for new listeners. Thank you for um, continued listeners. Yeah. We love this little community. Yeah. We, we do. Building. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And if you have social media tips, 
you know, connect with us yes. on social media. Uh, Seriously, so connect with us. We just would love, we, every time we hear, get an email or message, like, we just, we, like, seriously are so excited. We I know. immediately text each other and we're like, did you see that? Did you see that message? I'm literally crying because of this thing that this person said. We're an emotional bunch. It's, yeah. It's are. good. It's good. It's good. Thank you for helping us feel all the feels. Yes. <laughs> Until next time. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My So-Called Opera Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us keep making more, because this content creation shit ain't free, y'all, you can show us some love by rating and reviewing the podcast. This helps get the word out to more badass artists. Share with a friend. Word of mouth is the best advertising and a free way to support us. Double win for empowering your colleagues and being a responsible follower. Buy us a coffee. Fuel our coffee obsession and our Instagram live coffee chats with a one-time donation of any amount. Or bust that starving artist myth by becoming a sustaining Patreon member. This option is so impactful to the ongoing creation of our podcast that we offer you early access to ad-free episodes and more. You can become a member for as little as $3 a month. Still can't get enough of us and want to add your voice to the conversation? Join us over on Instagram at Podcast. This podcast is edited by Joshua Wise and produced and hosted by Elise Mark and Marcel McGurk. We are thrilled to have the Sparkle Twins as continuing sponsors for season four. Sharice and Sharicia Williams are identical twin sopranos from Brooklyn, New York, who began their business by creating customized Swarovski crystal-covered shoes for their fellow divas. Their business expanded pre-COVID to include mouth masks for musicians. In addition to protecting yourself from unwanted germs and conversations, the masks have cute phrases on them like, keeping my germs to myself, or I am on vocal rest. To check out their full line of products, visit www.sopranotwins.com forward slash shop and follow them on socials at the Sparkle Twins.